0: What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us. This is Danny Langloss. Hey, if you're not following us on LinkedIn, please connect, follow us. We're posting daily leadership, mindset, motivation content. Also linked in this podcast description is an article we wrote titled Employee Engagement 10X, The Seven Pillars of Ownership. Ownership changes the game. Ownership is our team members' extreme psychological and emotional commitment to the team, to the organization, to our goals, to our purpose. It's when people do things because it's important to them, not because they're told to do it. It changes everything. All right, here we go. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals, organizations, and communities rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss, and today we're joined by Melanie Pump, and we're going to be talking about the devastating impacts of toxic work culture and how to eliminate the natural insecurities and fear within our teams. Everybody listening to this episode has seen this, has felt this, has experienced it and maybe going through things right now. Such an incredible episode. So excited to have Melanie on today. She grew up in a family that went bankrupt soon after she was born by 15. She was a high school dropout. Today, she's the chief financial officer of Plank Ventures, a public investment firm that supports entrepreneurs. During her more than 20 years of progressive corporate experience, Melanie studied the impact of leaders and workplace cultures and what they have on employee security and performance, and ultimately the bottom line. Through her work, she's learned how to shape a corporate environment to create powerful teamwork, authentic communication, diverse creativity and heartfelt loyalty. She she wrote her, her her book Detox Managing Insecurity in the Workplace. It was released on September 21st, 2021. You got to go out and get a copy. Phenomenal phenomenal book to help leaders and employees everywhere learn how to truly thrive. Melanie, welcome to the Leadership Excellence Podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me and for that great introduction.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, when you listen to that and understand the work you're doing and the impact that everybody feels like people just got to be completely dialed in or otherwise they just got to the wrong podcast. So, <laughs> Millie, can you start by, you know, you got a pretty interesting background, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's crazy because my dad actually dropped out of high school, later went back, got his GED, got his education, but he was in yeah. Vietnam by the time he was seven, you know, he was in the military by the time he was 17, Vietnam by the time he was 18. So I've seen people, and my dad is an example, like really, but that's always an interesting story. So mm-hmm. can you tell our listeners how you went from high school dropout to CFO and an author?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's it's actually an important part of, you know, overall how I came to have this passion about uh, the power of healthy workplaces. And I, um, so yeah, I had a bit of a rough start. But when I got to be about, you know, 19 years old, I, you know, I realized like I, I I'm luckily to be born with some natural intelligence and I kind of saw what was happening around me and saw that the, the direction I was going in was, was not a good one. And I decided to make some changes and I had the opportunity to get a, a position as a receptionist in an environmental engineering firm. And I was so lucky that the the leader that I had there was somebody who was truly supportive and and saw my potential and helped me to sort of overcome, I came into that work environment feeling like an imposter, you know, here's this 20-year-old with no education, Um, but she saw what I could do and and helped me overcome those insecurities. And I, you know, like your father, I went back to school, got my GED, got my bachelor's degree and my uh, accounting designation all part-time while I was working full-time, but I couldn't have done it um, without the support of, of these leaders. You know, luckily at that job and then the one I had after, I both had people people who, who uh, really believed in me and, and helped me, um, you know, overcome those, those earlier fears that I had.
0: So, so through that, what was it about those experiences? And that's just incredible, by the way, um, through those experiences, what was it that made you passionate about detoxing toxic work cultures?
1: Yeah, so it's because, you know, I was fortunate that I had those early, really great experiences. But but later on, I, you know, like many of us, got into some work environments that were toxic. And so the comparison between like me realizing if if those first jobs of mine had been in toxic work environments, I might still be uh, at that receptionist desk today. Um, If I hadn't had leaders who had truly supported me and made me feel safe, let me feel comfortable expanding out of my comfort zone, I may never have gotten to where I was because when I got into those toxic workplaces, I saw that's what's happening. People were shutting down, protecting themselves, not putting themselves out there because they were afraid of of the repercussions in an unhealthy workplace.
0: Yeah, your your story is, is really, as we think about it, You know, we talk about individuals, organizations and communities rise and fall with leadership and the impact we can have on our team members. And now because of the investment a leader made in you, the mentorship, the coaching, all of those things, now the impact you are having and so many other people and that you're giving that back. And, and yeah, what would have happened if you're suffering with imposter syndrome and lack confidence and question yourself, if you would have been in a toxic work culture, and that's the impact leadership can have on people's lives. And That's one of the reasons I'm so just so passionate about it. So what does Melanie, what does a toxic work environment look like?
1: Yeah. So there's the really obvious things. Like we think when we think toxic work environment, we tend to think about bullies and micromanagers, those types of things. And that definitely makes a work environment toxic, but there are other things, more subtle things. Like for example, if there's a workplace that has a lot of uncertainty, so people aren't clear about what um, what's the strategy is. They're not sure if their job is safe. They're not clear on the expectations on themselves. Um, that kind of uncertainty can make people feel insecure, defensive, and that can create toxicity in the environment. Um, there can also be toxicity if people aren't in the right roles, uh, because when somebody isn't in the the right role that's for their skill set and they don't feel comfortable, they can start using toxic behaviors to protect themselves. So it is really why it's so important for us to make sure that we not only put people in the roles that are a right fit for them, but also provide them the support that they that they need. So those are some of those things. Like all of those things actually trigger pr- defensive behaviors in us and when you have a workplace where people don't feel safe, that's when that workplace becomes toxic. So it's not just the really obvious bully. It's also just, if people don't feel safe in that environment, the very behaviors that they use to defend themselves can create toxicity in the environment.
0: Yeah. You know, I did a, I read this podcast a few weeks ago, the great destroyers of teams and cultures and talked about the impacts of jealousy, envy, gossip, backstabbing, Uh-oh. speaking uh-huh. with bad intentions. But, uh, so- you know, as we broke down, like, the reasons for that, like only one of the reasons is because you have a toxic person who is just trying to cause problems. A lot of times it's a leadership issue, you know, all the things that you just mentioned, but then feelings of lack of fairness, lack of consistency, feelings of in judgment, value misalignment that yeah. takes people who came in and really were owners and stars. And, and can transition them down the scheme to these these toxic people with this real negative energy.
1: You've actually just like named a number of sections right from my book about values alignment and fairness because all of these things like, like in comparison and jealousy as well, because people start to, when people feel insecure, they're more likely to, um, to compare themselves to their peers and feel and feel jealousy and unfairness. But unfairness is actually another really good point because if people feel like they're being paid unfairly, they're not being given opportunities. Um, they think they're owed promotions and they're not. Um, it's not communicated to them clearly why they didn't get a promotion when they don't. All of those things are going to create toxicity um, in the environment.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, and and the problem is, is that we're predisposed, as human beings, to to some of these things, right? To these natural insecurities, these fears. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, what are some of these natural mm-hmm. insecurities? Some of these fears that you see within individuals and within and within teams, and like if they're so natural and they're so predictable, is leaders? Why are we so blind to them?
1: Yeah. And we, we do, we have a natural negativity bias. Like that's how, you know, when you go back, you know, hundreds of years ago, we needed to be on the lookout for danger. Mm-hmm. So as humans, we do have a, have a, we're prone to look for the negative, but in a, in a toxic work environment, that will, that'll will be magnified even more. Um, so as you know, it, so obviously avoid a toxic work environment, because in one, your, your people are only going to look for the negatives. They're not going to see the wins. Um, and and really one of the main ways that I see to avoid that is, is really, really being transparent because when people again, don't understand what's happening in their environment that triggers, um, that sort of, uh, need for safety, you know, your fight or flight, you're going to be trying to figure out what's going on because uncertainty is danger. Um, so leaders really do need to try to make an effort to be transparent with their teams to avoid um, triggering um, that, that instinct.
0: So what are some things leaders can do to be more transparent? What's that look like in actions and in behaviors?
1: Yeah. So for one thing, role, role clarity is, is really important. So being sure that you're, you're being clear and defining your expectations of your team. So being transparent and on what that is. And I recommend putting that in writing because there could sometimes be assumptions made, you know, a leader thinks they've clearly communicated something and it actually wasn't clearly communicated to the employee and then also making sure when, if you do have a performance challenge with somebody and you're not happy with how they're doing, it can be hard to give feedback. But, you know, in my experience, people pick up on that negativity. So if you don't communicate that to them, um, they, they're going to know something is off and that's going to trigger those insecurities in them. So even though it's hard to give, you know, negative feedback, if you are thinking something, of, if it's in your head that you're not happy with someone's performance, make sure that you give them that feedback.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. You know, one of the, I think one of the leader's greatest tools is proactive communication. Um, People know this who follow me on the podcast, but you know, especially like the last five or six years before I became the police chief in the department it it was a, it it was, it was a nasty culture and you know, there, there were, there were goals. There was a place we were going, but there was a division in leadership. There was a failure to speak with one voice out of our top administration um, it created all these different feelings and senses of you know, things aren't fair. Things are unjust. There's no consistency. There's favoritism. And, and a lot of it was just a failure, two big failures. One was proactive communication. Proactive communication is one of the leader's greatest tools. You go mm-hmm. out there, you eliminate uncertainty. When you do, you take away anxiety, fear. You let people know they're important, they're valued. Yeah. Um, and the other was a lack of accountability within the organization, allowing certain things to happen. So as you talk about this, like it takes me back into those moments. You talk about role clarity. One of the things we did not created um, were expectation statements. Mm-hmm. So the expectations were clear and, and, and don't miss this. Anybody listening, we just don't create those expectation statements for the frontline employees. We create them for the frontline supervisor, middle management, and for the very top administration. Yeah. We're all accountable. These are the expectations and you create those fairly inclusively. Um, and they really help to, to shape the culture and environment. So when you talk about these things, it just, it, it triggers a lot of, of yeah. some things that, that, that and, I and- went through.
1: And that's such a good point. And, you know, you, when you, when you saying having that role all the way up to the top, like that, that counts in a number of areas as well. Like, like if you have a clear value statement also around the behaviors that are acceptable within the organization, making sure that stretches all the way up to the leadership level as well. Um, because we're, we're talking about the power of, of leaders, but, but tone from the top, the way your, your leaders act um, that flows down through the company as well. So, so really everything that you do does need to um, go across your whole organization, Um it, Including the people at the very top.
0: So you talked about performance challenges, right? Like, and and what I heard you say is, like, if somebody's having performance issues and we're unsatisfied with performance, as we're the the boss, unsatisfied performance, they can feel that negativity even if we're not saying anything to them. So, how do you help leaders, or what are your suggestions to leaders who have a strong fear of man, meaning they want to be liked by everybody, yeah. and they're they're worried if they have this conversation? That they're not going to be liked, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a total wrong way of thinking. But that's but how do you pe- help people overcome that and be able to step into these kind of conversations?
1: Yeah. And, and I guess, cause you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, like I, I do, I like to support people and help lift them up. And so learning to give, um, you know, constructive feedback was difficult for me too. But th- the way I got around that over time is I realized, you know, we're really not supporting people when we're not giving them clear feedback and helping them, helping them to improve and grow. Um, so there's not, you know, how does somebody grow their career and learn if they're not giving feedback on how, what's not, they're not performing well at. The other thing is, 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 as I've said, you know, we humans, we we're very sensitive. We pick up on on energy and negativity because uh, we have that negativity bias. So even if you don't say something, the employee is going to know something is off. As I've said, they may not know exactly what it is, yeah. but they're going to know that. And in you not telling them, you're actually potentially they might be losing sleep, they're having an- anxiety, they don't know why because they feel like something's off. So it's really just it's it's not doing somebody a favor to not give them that that feedback. So that's how I got my head around it is really. Mm-hmm realizing that if I want to support my team, um, that includes letting them know when there's an area that they need to improve.
0: Yeah. I truly believe that, that people don't wake up in the morning and and say, you know, I'm going to go to work today and I'm going to figure out how I can really suck. Right. (laughs) That, that, that most people want to do a good job, but if you've done a good job of hiring and onboarding, most people want to do a good job. A lot of times they might not understand what that good job is. And yeah. so if our goal really is leaders, we say, we're all about our people. We want to help our people reach their full potential. When you reframe this, what most people would consider a negative conversation, the way you have and said, this isn't about being negative or tearing somebody down. This is about building somebody up. This is about helping them accomplish exactly. the goals that they want to accomplish. It completely changes yeah. the conversation. And it, and it makes us as leaders more willing to step into that conversation.
1: And then you're also building a healthy relationship with that employee, too, because if you have that in your mindset as to how you're doing it, again, they're going to pick up on that and they're not going to be as afraid of that discussion. Whereas now, you know, many models where we give feedback once a year in a performance review, well, of course, people go into that terrified. Whereas if it's it's an on, you know, so one thing I do recommend is an ongoing discussion. So it's just a normal part of your relationship with your team to talk about to talk about performance and that you're doing it to improve, to help them improve their overall growth and career, and then also to support the business.
0: Yeah. You, the, 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 excellent point of this is normal. This is ongoing. This is how we yeah. do things. And then it's not a problem at all. And then people are right. able to accept that feedback. And then when you go out and ask for feedback as the leader, um, and, and open and honest feedback, and you develop those levels of psychological safety, which I know we'll talk about here in a little bit. And people feel comfortable giving that to you. You say, hey, I'm human. I make mistakes as well. Then nobody's worried about having to be perfect anymore. And it really creates the environment you're going to talk about here in a little while.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and also that, you know, making mistakes. Okay. Like that really is a critical piece. And I, I try to do that with my teams is, you know, I am definitely not perfect. There's areas where I'm strong and areas where I'm not and, and letting my team know that too. And that's how I build my teams. I build my teams with people who have areas of strengths that I don't have. And, uh, and then we work together to achieve, you know, the best possible result.
0: Love it. Love it. Let's, love it. So let's, let's talk about that. Let's, because um, I wanted to talk about failure, our relationship with failure. And, and how do we as leaders create an environment where we accept, where we embrace, where we celebrate failure? Um, what does that look like? How do you, how do, you do that?
1: Yeah. And, uh, it's, it, it is important because we all make mistakes and, and, you know, uh, for a business to be successful, they need to know when there are failures and mistakes, because then again, you can learn from them. You can put steps in to make sure they don't happen again. Um, so you want a culture where people don't feel like they need to hide anything that goes wrong. Um, like one of the great ways to do that, to do that is, is you can even go back to, to the, how the company was built. Like I'm sure every founder um, had failures before they, before they got to the success of their business. So even just as a foundation for a, for a founder to talk about that um, and then leaders themselves, you know, like, like I've just said, you know, being okay to share um, when you've made a mistake and, and also ask for help um, because as, is leaders, leaders don't have to be perfect. Like, yes, we're, we need to be strong and we need to give confidence confidence to the business, but that doesn't require perfection. Um, confidence can even actually be greater when people know that their leader is one is truly being honest about their own areas of, of strengths and weakness.
0: No, a- absolutely. Absolutely. The, you talk about asking for help. Mm-hmm. So there, there's four things that I think are foundational that every person needs. One is they need to feel cared for. Two is they need to feel important, feel significant. Right, they have value, they're making it, you know. The the next one is they're making a difference, they're making a greater impact. And the fourth one is to be recognized. When when we go to somebody and ask them for help as the leader, we say, I care about you, I respect you, I trust you, you have value, you have, you know, you're important around here, you belong. And so that simple strategy of looking for ways and intentionally going and asking your people for help, you say all of those things to your people. And really start to set the foundation for that. One of the thing in our expectation statements is we talk about failure, you know, and and, and we build on it in conversations. Like if we're not failing, we're not, we're not moving forward. Definitely. Like yeah. we're, you know, a failure and, and learning from these failures. I mean, that's, that's, those are nothing but steps on our way to success. And so really trying to intentionally create a positive relationship with failure within our team, but it does start in an expectation statement. Um, that and, and when we talk about and build on that. So I think those are some really big things. And, and you said something that I never thought of doing is like, hey, sh- when you share the story of the company, when you're onboarding people, talk about the failures, talk about how you overcome, talk about how important the failures were to be successful and even in your own career. So some really, some really awesome strategies there. What what are some defense mechanisms team members employ to guard themselves uh, from insecurity in the workplace?
1: Yeah, there, there's a many, there's many things that we do when we're insecure that unfortunately, um, can come across quite negatively. And some of those are, I mean, defensiveness, uh, passive aggressiveness, um, even procrastination. So as a leader, you know, we've all had people on our teams using those behaviors, we've used them ourselves, and they can be quite frustrating. Um, But one of the, you know, sections I do talk about in the book is just making sure when we see an, an employee using those kinds of behaviors, that we take a step back and ask why. Because, you know, for example, procrastination We often procrastinate thing about things that we're afraid of. You know, I had an employee who I gave a task. um, He needed to create a training video um, for something, and and he kept on dropping to the bottom of his priority list. And uh, and so I finally, I've you know, once I started really learning more about insecurity, I realized it's because he was terrified. He didn't want to record a video, and he also didn't want to tell me. So he just kept procrastinating about it. And so I finally, you know, went and talked to him and just let him know I, I didn't expect it to be perfect. And this was a great learning experience and, and, uh, and let's just see how it goes. And then, then he finally went ahead and did it. So we do, um, need to consider that when somebody's using what can seem like a dysfunctional uh, behavior, it may be driven by, by a fear.
0: Absolutely. When I work, uh, with, with a guy, he's a great friend of mine. He's, he's an awesome dude and he's got the biggest heart in the whole world, but every time somebody wasn't doing something, to the level that we wanted it done or if they were procrastinating or whatever, it was always, they're lazy. It was always, they're lazy. And we, we battled that and eventually it got through it. But like this, this important question, what else could it be? Right? Like you're looking at what else could it be? And then the other thing the, that I think we've got to ask whenever there's a problem is what part of the problem am I? What part of the problem is our leadership? What could it be? That's why I, the, the podcast I talked about the great destroyers of teams and cultures. Only one thing is that the person is a problem. Everything else that we're looking at is we're the problem, and until we eliminate ourselves for the problem, um, and and part of the problem might be not even a proactive problem, but you know what? We're part of the problem because have we adequately built help build this person's confidence in this area? Have we exactly. given them clear enough expectations? Have, have we, we let them training? Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So no, that's uh, that, and uh, it, 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 it's amazing how 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 these defense mechanisms we see them every day. And if we just recognize it for what it is and realize, Hey man, we can overcome these, the gratitude, when you see people grow, when you see them shatter that short, small ceiling, they created for themselves that are tight walls. It's absolutely amazing. So let's Mm -hmm. talk about that. How, how does insecurity affect individual and team performance?
1: Well, it, it does deeply. And, you know, because for one thing, it does trigger those defense mechanisms. So if we if we feel insecure, instinctively, we put up those defense mechanisms. And that can really damage uh, the ability to build relationships with your peers. Everybody gets frustrated by passive aggressive behavior. It sends mixed messages. Um, it's hard to work with somebody using that. So that that um, it really works against collaboration. Um, so that is one. Also, you know, if people are feeling insecure, they, they tend to, to shut them Themselves down and be afraid to put themselves out there so as far as like generating new ideas um innovation um, you're not going to see that as much in an organization where employees are insecure
0: yeah no absolutely another area you see too when they're insecure they don't have that safety is problem solving proactive problem solving and this becomes especially important in in high liability areas right I know Amy Edmondson's done a ton of work in this area. And one of the examples she uses is that nurse who knows something's wrong with what the doctor's done. And maybe the doctor didn't read the chart, but did she feel comfortable stepping up and saying something because she's been dressed down, talked down to so many times by this doctor. And now this patient is, is at risk. Well, there's a lot of things like that, maybe not to that level, but every day within our organizations,
1: Oh, you're right, but that's and because you know even when some people feel insecure, like in that situation, they're they're withholding information because they don't feel safe safe putting it out there. Maybe they feel unsafe about their job. You know that. You know another example of that could be in a in a let's say a salesperson knows that a customer is considering leaving, for example, and but they're afraid to put up their hand and tell the company about it because they're afraid of the repercussions of bringing negative news. And then the cust- the company loses that customer a- as a result. Like there's many different cases where you want a workplace where people feel safe, um, letting, letting you know what they see.
0: Absolutely. So this is a good time to talk about that. What are some strategies that we can employ as leaders to create more psychologically safe work environments?
1: Yeah. And, and we, we've talked about some of them already, um, you know, building, building strong relationships with your, with your employees, um, is, is one. So having that open, open transparency, sharing, um, even your own mistakes, because that, that will, um, allow people to, to be more open, um, Yeah, there's there's many different different things also having an having in general having an inclusive culture. So if you have an organization where there's a lot of of silos, um, people do um, stay within those groups and not share information. Um, You want people feeling like like they are connected with their peers and there's a general sense of belonging, uh, which will lead to to more openness overall. And then, you know, dealing with those behaviors, um, you know, it is difficult if you have an employee in your work environment who is using harmful behaviors like bullying. And many organizations, um, they, they let it go on for too long. And it can really poison. It's amazing the impact that one person using those kind of behaviors can have on the overall psychological safety of the environment. So we really do need to be sure that we deal with them when they occur.
0: Now, 100%. It One of the one of the things we went through and in one of my former jobs was whenever there were promotions coming up, yeah. you would, there, there'd be a lot of competition, which is, which is really a bad thing within an environment. But then you would see people speaking with bad intentions, gossip, rumors, you know, somebody like one of the situations we dealt with is somebody went to went to you And said this was going on and Danny said that and then they would come to me and tell me something else was going on and Melanie said this. And so we went to address it and somebody asked me like, you know, what you you can't control what they say to people. You're going to be the gossip police. I said, we're absolutely going to be the gossip police. We have the right to have a a strong, positive workplace culture. And there's so many different negative impacts from this. And so when we see issues and problems, we really got to step up and address those things. And when we do, everybody else sees that. And you can create the environment you want to create, but, you know, negativity breeds negativity and these negative actions spill over and become a cancer within the organization.
1: And especially if they're at, you know, I I came into an organization years ago where within the first few days, every person on the leadership team had come to me and, and slammed the other members of the, of the leadership team. And obviously huge red flag when you first start an organization. And I went to the uh, CEO right away and said, we need to we need to fix this. Like we, and one of the things I do recommend is engaging like a, a facilitator. There are many trained facilitators that can help a leadership team. Put all that out on the table and work through it, Uh, because if you have people going and talking behind each other's back um, again, we sense stuff. So the people that are being talked about probably have a feeling that that's occurring and that is going to be a highly dysfunctional leadership team. um, And they need to get that out out on the table and work through it and rebuild those relationships because that's going to poison the whole company for sure.
0: Yeah, it is. And I know leaders uh, and human beings, right? It's just human. A lot of leadership behavior is unnatural human behavior, right? I mean, starting with the service of others first before yourself. Um, and it, it carries on. And we talked about this, this fear of man, but my, one of my mentors back in 2008, became the police chief at 33 years old, got part of the international chief's mentoring program, grabbed other mentors. Cause I recognized it was important, not just to have people within policing, but this guy is brilliant. He's amazing. He said, you got to always remember this people respect what's hard and they disrespect what's easy. And while we might think that, that we're going to create an environment where somebody is not going to like us or whatever, if we do it the right way, we most likely won't, but the impact it has with everybody else who's watching is so, so important. And, and it, you know, is, is that thing comes to my mind because, you know, coming in as a police chief, we had a very toxic and dysfunctional organization. Mm-hmm. And by giving people a voice, digging in deep, we didn't hire somebody to come in from the outside. We actually did the, the one-on-one interviews ourselves, hope to get 20, 30 minutes from team members, end up getting two and a half to three hours out of everybody. And a lot of questions, listening, clearly laid out the problems, laid out how we were going to solve them, and that it was responsibility of everybody to solve them. And, and within six months, everything was completely turned around. So hearing all these different strategies and wishing I'd have had a couple of the other ones at the, at the time... It just, it just shows how, how important that is. So really appreciate you coming on today and, and sharing this and taking a deep dive into this topic. So, so important.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.
0: What I, I want to ask. So it's one thing to lead in cultures where everybody's there, but now this hybrid and remote working, do, do you have some special considerations that you want to share for those kinds of environments?
1: Yeah, it's 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 been such a unique time. Um, and it is more difficult for companies to to keep their employees connected and engaged when they're working from home. So it does really take some some intentional, intentional efforts. And because you don't just want to be talking to your employees only when you have like a, a really an item that you need to resolve. You do need to have those opportunities to connect. So I recommend this is even more an, an even more important time to have those one-on-ones with your team and and to have them with a bit of white space where you can talk about different. Different things and have the conversation flow a bit naturally and the other aspect of that is when you do that make sure you keep those meetings uh, because we're all really busy but if you're if you're setting an an appointment with an employee and then moving it or canceling it that sends a that sends a message to them that they're not important so I uh, what I'm doing is making those meetings keeping them and, and just really making sure my employees know that they're important
0: Wow Pure gold right there. Pure gold, a little deeper dive. you have any call to action you want to leave our listeners with?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about some really critical things and, you know, one thing I would, one of the most important things I think that we've talked about is getting people to stop and think. So if you see your employees, they're being passive aggressive, they're procrastinating about something, um, ask, stop and ask why. And, and, you know, take a look at your own behavior. Are you doing something that's triggering that? And then also look around in, in the environment. Is there something else that's there that can be fixed? Does a person need more training, more support? Uh, I feel like that's what my leader did for me when I was you know 21 years old as that receptionist. They saw that I was insecure and they asked why, and and that led to me you know going on and having this career you know to become an executive and now be able to help people. So you never know if you help somebody overcome a fear, you know what that what that could lead to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Melanie, where can, where can people find you at? How can they connect with you?
1: Yeah. So that I have, my website is melanie And then I'm on uh, most social media at, at Melanie Pump CFO.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And we'll link those for the listeners. We'll link those things in the podcast description. Um, we'll also link you're, you're on LinkedIn, right? I think we're. I am, yeah. LinkedIn. LinkedIn
1: is where most of my stuff is posted. So definitely check me out on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. So we'll, we'll just quick links within the podcast description. There'll okay. be a blog post on our website, com, that will feature, you know, three different sections of the conversation. You'll be able to access 15 different uh, podcast sites, direct links from there to this episode, and you'll be able to link up right away with Melanie and check out what she's doing. She's really brought to life the impact of leadership. I mean, from her story mm-hmm. uh, early on to the work she's doing now to they're, they're, look, you know, Peter Drucker said it, culture eat strategy for breakfast if you're not getting your culture right you're not getting anything right and this is about this is about like people the impact we have on human beings lives not just inside the walls of organization but their overall quality of life but if that isn't important to you it's also about profits because profits are are driven by that teamwork that innovation that creativity that proactive problem solving, customer service, like always delivering to the highest level. And people can't deliver to their highest level if they're in a negative or toxic culture. So, you know, we talked about toxic culture. We talked about natural insecurities and fears. We've got to be aware of those, put those up front. When we see something, are they lazy? Do they not care? What else could it be? Dive in. You never know what it is, right? Impacts on performance. What are people's defense mechanisms? How to build psychological safety? So much gold from this from this episode. I do want to remind people we're now releasing the transcript. That'll be linked in the podcast description that we put out on LinkedIn. Um, just just pure gold, Melanie. Thank you again for coming on, coming on the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you very much.
0: To our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a rating review. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. All those things help us reach people more organically. And remember, always be committed to excellence.